I think most of us know that anger takes many forms. In fact, anger wears many faces. Anger is an emotion that's interwoven in many aspects of our lives. Anger ranges from a slight irritation to a full-blown, uncontrollable rage. But I need to hasten to say that all unrighteous anger, listen carefully, all unrighteous anger, you say, is there a righteous anger? Yes, I'm going to come to that. All unrighteous anger stems from pride and self-righteousness. When someone criticizes us, whether fairly or unfairly, it really in the end doesn't make any difference. Or when we get overlooked or feel being undermined, this all stems from prideful anger, self-righteous anger. And it must be nipped in the bud and placed in the wounded side of Jesus. Can I get an amen? How? By openly confessing it and asking for God's strength to repent of it. Remember I said He already took all of our sins on the cross, on His body. See, the sooner you do this, the better off you are. Because of the seriousness of that issue of anger, I personally believe this is why our Lord Jesus Christ starts with that commandment, thou shalt not murder. He starts with it because it's a very serious issue. Three things I want to show you here from these verses. Matthew five twenty-one to 26. In verses 21 and 22, he says that anger destroys. It destroys the person who's angry. Secondly, in verses 23 and 24, he says, anger desecrate your worship. And thirdly, he is saying anger devastate relationships. First of all, anger turns on the angry person and destroy him or her. Here's what Jesus said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit murder. But I say to you, now I want you to miss, and now most of you have not missed this, but some of you may have, so I want you to listen carefully. You have heard it said, that's what my father said, but I say to you, you notice the equality between the Father and the Son? God the Father and God the Son are equal. They have coexisted before the foundation of the earth. As a matter of fact, the very reason why Jesus was crucified on the cross is because He made Himself, they said, equal to the Father. And so, you've heard it said, and I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother shall be guilty. Now, in the Greek language, there are two words for anger. Two words. One word is thamos. It's the quick anger. It's like lighting a match to a dry straw. Burns quickly and then stops. It's like the anger that kind of blazes up and quickly dies down. But there is a second word in the Greek language called orge, which means the smoldering anger. This is the type of anger that you cuddle and you keep warm in your bosom. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? This type of anger 
is brooding and brooding and brooding. And every time that person's name comes up and you go, mm, and you get stomach cramps. It's the type of anger that you would never allow to die down. The word oge is the one that's used here. That's what the Lord is talking about, that smoldering anger. And he's telling them that murder has deeper roots. It has deeper roots. Murder originates from a heart, not from a hand. <laughs> that murder starts with angry thoughts. That murder starts with selfish prideful motive. And Jesus is saying to these self-righteous Pharisees, He's saying to them, righteousness is not only external. Righteousness is not just on the surface. Righteousness is not only when people are watching. No. A person guilty of murder when he or she nurses their anger, when he or she hates with intensity when he or she start maligning. And while murder, the act of physical murder is judged in the civil courts, the anger is judged in the heavenly courts. Why? Because smoldering anger leads to murder. God takes smoldering anger very, very seriously. Why? Because unless you stop anger in its tracks, it will lead to murder at least in the heart. Because unless you pull up the anger like weed by the roots, that's why the Bible talks about the roots of bitterness. It's underground. You can't see. It's not the fruit that you see on the tree. It's underground. And unless you pull them by the roots, it's going to get worse. Jesus tells us about two people. Two people. One is a Pharisee, religious guy. I mean, he's very religious, kept all the external stuff. And the other one is a sinner, publican. And they both went to the temple to worship. And the Pharisees almost got a tennis elbow from patting himself on the back. Yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, I thank thee, Lord, I'm not like this guy, and I've done this, and look what I've done for you, God. I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done the other thing. And Jesus said, the publican pounded on his heart. He said, forgive me, a sinner. And Jesus said, it's that repentant sinner who went home justified before God. Not only anger destroys physically, but destroys your personhood. Verse 22, being angry with another person, saying, raka, to him, calling him a fool, is very serious in God's eyes. Now, by the way, the word raka is untranslatable. But I can tell you that it represents all forms of verbal abuse. Are you with me? It represents all forms of treating others with contempt. It represents all forms of contempt, whether it be verbally or non-verbally, because I know there are some contempt that are non-verbal. Verbal and non-verbal abuse is judged as sin in the courts of heaven. And the only way to deal with it is to repent of it and place it under the blood of Jesus. 
So anger is destructive. Secondly, I want to tell you that anger desecrates worship. You say, Michael, how can that be? Well, thank God I don't make the rules. (laughs) I just tell you what Jesus said, okay? Jesus said that selfish, brooding, and constant nourished anger inside of you strains your relationship with the Lord. Paul calls this grieving the Holy Spirit. We must always interpret the Scripture with the Scripture. So I'm going to hasten to say that not all anger is sin. If you heard that, say amen. Because I want to make sure. I already told you I'm going to come to it, and I'm coming to it now. Not all anger is sin. Not all anger impairs our relationship with the Lord. For example, righteous anger is not sin. Righteous anger against injustice and rebellion against God's moral laws is not a sin. Righteous anger against abusers of children, abusers of women, or anybody for that matter, is not a sin. Ephesians 4.26, Paul explained this righteous anger by saying, Be angry, but sin not. Be angry, but sin not. Jesus became angry when He saw these money-grabbing people who are making a mess of His Father's house. And He kicked them out of His Father's house. He kicked them out. He's probably, we expect Jesus to do, at least in our culture. Jesus walked up to these guys and said, Hey, fellows, oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but really what you're doing is not good. It's not right. Oh, oh you know, guys, uh, I don't want you to reject me. <laughs> oh, don't reject me. Oh, who wants to be rejected, right? Oh, don't reject me. I don't want to offend you. But this is not good. No. In his holy anger, he kicked him out in a use of words, and he said, hit the road, Jack, and come back no more, no more. <laughs> That's righteous anger. But even with holy anger, it must not cause us to sin or get out of hand. You can certainly be angry at false teachers and heretical teaching. You can certainly withdraw fellowship from false teachers. You can certainly be angry at their misleading of so many people. You can certainly be angry with injustice and with violence. You can certainly be angry with the media's constant use of false narratives. But, listen to me, you and I are not free to hate, period, Can I get an amen? Amen. You and I are not free to wish anybody ill will. You and I are not at liberty to take matters into our own hands. That will hinder our worship. Listen to me. (laughs) No one who claims to know Jesus as Savior and Lord nurses hatred toward another person. I know that's not very popular. I know. I honestly don't care what rationale they use. I don't care what explanation they give. I don't care what excuse they have. Hatred is not of the Lord. Remember this. 
the Jews to whom Jesus was speaking, they were all familiar with how to take care of restoring the breach of their relationship with God when they sinned. They were all familiar. They've done it year after year. They walk through the outer court, into the inner court, up to the rails, and then they hand their sacrifice to the priest. And that sacrifice is their way of saying, we repent of our sin, and we want to restore our relationship with God. And here, God the Son is saying, therefore, to them and to us, and to us, we need to settle the breach between us and our brothers and sisters in Christ before we can truly settle the breach between us and God the Father. Beloved, let me tell you that if you are hearing these words today, some of you might be hearing this for the first time around the world, and you have a smoldering hatred in your heart or nursing deep grudge, or maybe you are sitting on your anger, on your smoldering anger and keeping it warm, and you're refusing to let go, you will not be able to get rid of that anger with better music or better sermons or better communion or better giving. No. The only way to get rid of that persistent anger is by dealing with it. How? If you wrong someone, you ask for their forgiveness. If someone wronged you, you forgive them. Now, don't shoot the messenger. That's what Jesus said. But having said that, the Scripture does not say that you have to agree with that person. Get that right, please. You don't have to agree with the person. (laughs) Nobody says anything about agreement here. The Scripture does not say that you must be cheek by jowl with everybody. To my knowledge, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas never went on another missionary journey after they had their disagreement over John Mark. But I am absolutely convinced they were reconciled. As a matter of fact, toward the end of his life, Paul said, bring John Mark, for he's helpful to me. They made their peace. They didn't go on missionary journeys together. That's fine. You don't have to agree with everybody, but they've forgiven one another. Please, please, please do not confuse agreement with the absolute necessity of disposing of your anger. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 66, 18. He said, if I regard wickedness in my heart, where? His heart. If I regard wickedness, that's if I, I keep it in there, I hold it in there, I nurse it, I never confess it, I never turn my back on it, the Lord is not going to answer my prayers. It's the Word of God, not me. So, first of all, anger destroys. Secondly, anger desecrates. And thirdly, anger devastates. Verses 25 and 26. Make peace with your opponent while you are on the way to the court. You have to understand that in ancient times, the plaintiff had the authority to arrest the defendant. And the way he does that, he'll take his rope, not rope, robe, and he wrap it around the neck of the defendant, and he take him to court. So if he tried to wiggle out of it, he causes himself to choke. And what Jesus is saying is this. The time of reconciliation is the same as the time for salvation, and it is now. 
now. Tomorrow may be too late. Do it now. Please, I plead with you, don't let bitterness and anger and hatred destroy your relationships. Let me tell you a story that took place quite a number of years ago. A young man who was a senior in high school, he comes from a very well-to-do family, and graduates in high school from this particular affluent neighborhood have kind of used to getting a car when they graduate from high school. This particular young man was fully expecting the norm would happen to him when he graduates, and he spent months talking about cars and looking at these cars, with, even with his father. And just the week before graduation, he and his father were out looking at cars, and they both agreed on what car to get. The young man was absolutely certain that he's going to wake up in the morning of graduation, and there'll be a car in the driveway. But when he opened the package, the gift that his father gave him, there was a Bible. He became so angry. He became so embittered. He threw the Bible down and stormed out of the house. His anger and bitterness smoldered for years and would not be reconciled with his father and remained estranged until his father died. And when his father died, he was going through his father's things. And he saw the Bible that his father gave him on graduation day. He literally brushed the dust off, and he was flipping through the pages of that Bible. And sure enough, to his utter devastation, to his horror, he found a cashier check between the pages of the Scripture. It was dated the day of his graduation. And it was for the exact amount of the car that he and his father were chosen. Beloved, irrational anger and bitterness nearly destroyed this young man. It certainly destroyed his relationship with his father. Members of one family, listen to me. Members of one family of God deal with anger and stop it from smoldering. For nothing will enhance your worship. Nothing will enhance your worship or mend your relationship with the Lord until you reconcile to one another. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. That means deal with it before evening. If you can't reach the person, purpose in your heart that you will take care of it. If the person is dead, you can still do it and ask somebody else, confess it to somebody that's dear and near to you. Resolve here and now to dig up these roots of bitterness by its roots. Get it out. I think you'll be amazed at what the Holy Spirit of God will do in you when you ungrieve the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that the Apostle Paul tells us that sometimes we don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays in us. And so this is one of those times that I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to pray within every one of us. 
pray in me to God the Father through God the Son and the power of God the Holy Spirit that there will be restorations of relationships that there will be healing of broken hearts and broken lives Father I pray in the name of Jesus as you seem to be purging your church I pray for the remnant that they will come clean with you so that you begin to do your work in us begin with me begin with me for I pray this in Jesus name Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.